Chris Gelser here with Matt Howell. On this episode of The First Run, Matt and I are going to discuss bad times at the El Royale. I'll be sharing my thoughts about First Man. We'll discuss Jeremy Soliner's latest Hold the Dark, which is released on Netflix. And then finally, to be the return of What Are the Odds? And hey, look, everybody, Matt's back. I know you heard last week that he wasn't here, and I didn't really express any concern for his absence, but he actually is here. But he's going to be gone again next week. So uh, he's quickly packing. So obviously, this episode is mastered for packing for a trip to a foreign country. So that's really the best time to listen to this. And let's start everything off with a clip from the old El Royale. The lady's got a hotter hand than we do, Father. I am very sorry to keep you waiting. Damn, boy, where you been? Waiting in this lobby so long I could use a shave. What's wrong with you? I'm very sorry. What are you doing here, Father? Do I know you, son? No, but I mean, this is not a place for a priest, Father. You shouldn't be here. <laughs> we might need to work on your sales pitch, son. <laughs> the El Royale, no place for a priest. <laughs> there are other hotels, Father. Maybe closer to Tahoe, I could help you find one. I'm sure you would be happier there. Uh, Miles, is it? If this is not a place for a priest, Miles, then this is exactly where the Lord wants me. All right, Matt, so you got a pretty big cast in this film, or at least some heavy hitters. But why don't you tell the folks at home, what is Bad Times at the El Royale all about? Sure. All right, so uh, seven strangers with secrets all convene in this uh, kind of 50s tacky hotel that's on the border, literally on the border of California and Nevada. Um, And it essentially, over the course of the night, um, secrets are revealed and everything kind of goes to hell. I guess it pretty much wraps it up. Yeah. Yeah, that is. So let me ask you, I got a question for you. There's definitely, I think, some Tarantino vibes in this thing. Uh, sure. But was this a, would you have preferred to have seen this on the stage or do you think the big screen was the place to go? Um, I'm not a huge fan of theater. Um, okay. So for me, um, the screen was fine. Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess I could see it working as a play pretty well. Um, but I thought, you know, the way the way that it was shot, it gave it something, you know, completely different on the screen, and I enjoyed it. Yeah, I feel this could be a really great stage play. It's one of the first things I felt like when I walked out of it. Though I think overall, I found maybe the story a bit too unwieldy. Mm. I feel like... So Drew Goddard did this, right? And he's done some uh, pretty good stuff, right? He did the first uh, Cloverfield. <sighs> right. And um, what's the one we like so much that's the horror comedy thing? The... Um, that was sat on the shelf for years. Cabin in the oh, Woods. Oh, uh, Cabin in the Woods, yeah. That was a good one. So uh, this is his latest film, and it's he wrote The Martian. I think this is really good for about two-thirds. And then the last act, I don't know if it just kind of got away from him. It's, it's just I think it starts off really good, but I don't think it finishes very strong. And unfortunately, my apathy towards Dakota Johnson continues. Uh, I just, I don't know. She's in Suspiria, which is supposed to be fantastic. So maybe that'll finally put her over the edge for me. Maybe she'll cross the Tatum line at that point. But I got to admit, 
Um, I thought I found her to be probably one of the weakest parts of this thing. Bridges is great. I don't know. I think the frame, even the framing devices, I felt were though originally interesting. I'm like, come on, let's just let's just get on with it. And this thing is two hours and twenty minutes long. Um, am I wrong? What do you think? No, you're not wrong. I mean, I thought it was. It's an entertaining little B movie. It's interesting that you bring up the Tarantino um, comparison. The, the framing of the film, the use of music, the violence. I mean, yeah. it felt very much like Goddard's, you know, move toward auteur, where he wants to kind of deliver this stuff. But for me, sure. it just didn't have enough style or flash, and I didn't find the writing that particularly gripping. Really, the story was interesting enough. And how they kind of tie everything together, but for the most, like I said, by the last act, I'm kind of like, yeah, all right, let's let's go. Sure, but I mean, I guess I don't know. I think maybe you're being a little too hard on it. I mean, it, like it's it's kind of a its own little weird B movie thing. Like this, as you know, um, it seems like this is like in the as you will remember, because we're old men, um, the, in the wake of Pulp Fiction, we kind of got like a bunch of kind of yeah. lesser copycats. And this is kind of would fit right into that kind of stuff. And, you know, some of those were enjoyable films, but they don't really have any staying power or legs. And I think that's what this is. I mean, I think for the most part, um, the performances are pretty strong across the board. It's entertaining. Mm -hmm. um, and it sucks you in for what it is for the first two thirds to three quarters of the film. And, and, you know, I was, I, I mean, yeah, it didn't stick the landing and it became kind of a mess, but at the same time, you know, I, for the most part, I enjoyed it. So it's, it's about all you can ask for, for this type of film. This is a small little film. I mean, I enjoyed it. It's just, I think we had some pacing issues and it runs a little long. Right. That's all. I think we need a little bit of editing work here, but outside of that, it's fine. It's entertaining enough. The story is engrossing enough. The characters, for the most part, do have kind of really interesting stories to tell. But again, it's just, it's 220. Come on, mm. man. Unnecessary. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think it's a fine attempt at a kind of a, another Tarantino take. But it's, like I said, it doesn't have that kind of same pop. It just doesn't. So, I'm coming in at a B- minus for the uh, El Royale. I'm not sure where yeah. you are. Um, I was kind of right on the fence. I'm probably going to be a little more generous and give it a B. Okay. As you can see, back to the status quo of us really differing on our <laughs> grades. <laughs> I'll take it at this point. Yeah. The fact I, didn't, that I haven't listened to the last show, so I'll have to, I'll have to listen to your guest host. Well, it's Venom. We, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Well, yeah, just take a listen. I'll take a listen. Don't spoil it for me. I, <laughs> I have, have a long trip tomorrow. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. Anything else to add about bad times? I mean, no. I mean, there's anything? not a whole lot to say. I mean, it kind of is what it is. It's it's kind of a little like like you said. It's uh, all these kind of big names from Chris Hemsworth and Bridges, kind of just John kind of taking on a role, like and just because I thought it would be fun, kind of thing. It's really what this seems like to me, and it's it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, I was a little disappointed. I was getting a little little worked up, kind of looking forward to this the closer we got to it. Yeah. And I do like these the genre of films, you know. I yeah. do enjoy this, but it's it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, I think you're a little. You were hoping to find that little diamond in the rough that we seem to get like every season, you know. So yeah, I guess we haven't hit it for the fall yet. So we'll not, see. Not quite yet. If you get a chance to see Bad Times at the El Royale, shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. 
All right, Matt. So I'm going to spend a couple of minutes, though, and tell you what I thought about First Man. I don't know what space exploration will uncover, but I don't think it'll be exploration just for the sake of exploration. I think it'll be more the fact that it allows us to see things that maybe we should have seen a long time ago, but just haven't been able to until now. Does anyone have anything else? Yeah. Neil, I was sorry to hear about your daughter. I'm sorry, is there a question? Um, what I, what I mean is, uh, do you think it will have an effect? I think it would be unreasonable to assume that it wouldn't have some effect. So Ryan Gosling stars as Lance Armstrong in the story about his trip to be the first man on the moon, him and Buzz Aldrin, of course. Dick, directed by Damon Chazel, which reunites Gosling, of course, with La La Land previously. And it is a very in-depth, technically proficient, detailed story, Matt. It's quite good, but it's also a little cold and dispassionate. You can clearly see this if you do end up. I, I, you're not going to be around for a while, so I don't think you're going to have time to catch up with this one. Mm-hmm. So I thought I'd share my thoughts. If you do, we'd love to hear your thoughts down the road. Sure. But the Shazel kind of keeps us at arm's distance throughout this thing, and it, with his direction and even his color palette, it's very not washed out isn't the right term, but it's 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 just cold and distant, and it's I, I which I believe this is what he's going for also with his portrayal and specifically Gosling's portrayal of Armstrong. I mean, he doesn't pull any punches with this. These people are portrayed as people. This is not some Spielbergo Disney Disneyfied version of first man, right? This is very kind of what it tells you how it went. And it really focuses on the technical details. You re- I saw this in Dolby theater and you really almost feel like what it's like to be in that capsule when they launch off that rocket into space. But it's, it's, I think at times maybe that's part of the issue is that they get too focused on the technical aspects. And the, there's never really any connection to anybody in the cast. Now, maybe that's partly because that's just how people were back then and that's how Armstrong was. And there's definitely a disconnect between him and his family and possibly his connection to people in general. He but he almost feels like a passenger, pardon the, I don't know if it's a pun or not, but it, throughout this film. So, and Chazel also uses a ton of close-ups to really kind of help us feel confined and share the pressure that Armstrong's feeling along with him and his family and his fellow astronauts. And it's not really until you get to the moon, Matt, where he starts to actually give us some wide-angle shots. There's a lot of tight shots in this thing now. I wouldn't consider this a stumble, by Chazel, I think it's 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 short of greatness, like La La Land. I think is. I just feel like it's maybe a little too analytical, and the emotional beats he attempts to interject just don't provide provide the desired impact. It's got an interesting score as well. When I ever noticed that, I like to point that out. But there are definitely echoes, I think, of La La Land in it. I could hear just little notes or things that definitely sounded familiar to me. But still, overall, it's it's good. And it's and I think it's a film you should see. It's it's definitely an experience and see it on the biggest, loudest screen you can. Just 
be prepared to walk out kind of just not really connecting with the thing. That's all. All right. I'm that's still gonna, uh, yeah. It's, I can't tell if that's damning praise or that seems it's very strange praise you got going on there. Oh, I'm giving it a B plus. I definitely think it's it's good. It's not great, but it's very interesting. It's very good and it's worth watching. Just like I said, it's just very. I'm I'm assuming that this is just how you wanted to present it because that's kind of how it was. But by doing so, he's robbing the audience of any real kind of emotional impact or investment. There's a real key scene at the end of the film, which almost quite gets you, but just doesn't quite because of how basically just cold the rest of the film is so those are my thoughts if you've seen first man shoot us an email at feedback at the first run.com all right matt let's go ahead and talk about what's coming up on blu-ray and dvd this upcoming tuesday first up shout factory or i guess i should say scream factory is going to be delivering a classic <laughs> can't see a friggin' thing. Uh, where to leave my flashlight? You remember, Doc? Um, never mind. Let's take this last name out of here. You hear that? <laughs> Something in there, Doc. Something shiny. That's why you don't open up old crates you find in stairwells and old buildings. So Creepshow is being released by Scream Factory in a collector's edition. Includes a supervised brand new transfer approved by the director of photography, Michael Gornick. Nine new features, including a couple new audio commentaries as well. They went all out on this thing and they ported over all the old stuff as well. So if you're a fan of Creepshow, this looks like the version to get. Other good stuff. Started to Bother You is being released on Blu-ray. Matt includes audio commentary by the director Boots Riley and some making of featurettes. The only film I saw twice in the theater this year is being released, Matt. Any guesses what that was? Um, It was because oh, of tell my me. wife. Oh, oh, okay. Uh, no, please tell me. I'm drawing a blank. Christopher Robin is being ah, released as well. Okay. I didn't, and, which I didn't see at all. So there yeah, we go. initially I felt like it was a little too dark and kind of yeah. sad. But the second viewing was a lot more enjoyable. And uh, I think I'll be picking this up just because my wife absolutely adored it. Okay. If you get it from Target, there's a storybook edition. I guess it's got a little book in it. And there's a few making of featurettes in that as well. What else is coming up? Mamma Mia, here we go again. Best Buy has a steel book. Target's got 20 extra minutes of bonus features. A new film starring Peter Dinklage is being released. I think we're alone now. He plays a gentleman named Dell who's alone in his world. After the human race is wiped out, he lives in a small, empty town, content in his solitude and the utopia he's methodically created for himself until he is discovered by Grace, played by Elle Fanning, an interloper whose history and motives are obscure. Worse yet, she wants to stay. New to Blu-ray, Criterion is releasing Sisters, the uh, Brian De Palma film starring Margot Kidder on Blu-ray for the first time. Includes a new 4K 
Digital Restoration, approved by De Palma himself. A new interview with actor Jennifer Salt and some prior uh, archival featurettes. We already told you about the Creep Show. What else are we getting? Get Shorty is being released on Blu-ray from Shot Select. Getting released. I'm really excited about this one, Matt. Because you could buy this originally on iTunes digitally. But mm-hmm. I'm always a little wary about that because, you know, if iTunes loses the permission or whatever it is, the deal, that goes away. So unless right. you download it, that movie could be taken away. And they really have no recourse for you. They may refund you, but they don't always. It's messed up. So finally, on Blu-ray, Fidi Alvarez is Evil Dead, including the unrated cut, which you can only previously get on iTunes it's been available internationally, but now domestically you can get the Blu-ray of his Evil Dead remake, which has really aged well for me. I watched the, I bought the digital version because I wanted to have the unrated cut, um, but I think I will be picking up the Blu-ray as well at some point. It's a little too pricey right now. I think it's like twenty-three bucks, but if it drops, I'll definitely be picking that up. And then. Tom Savini's Night of the Living Dead from 1990 is getting a Blu-ray release. It was originally sold by Twilight Time, but that is sold out, and you're paying a hefty chunk of change if you want it. Well, Sony's actually releasing that now themselves. Unfortunately, there's no news at the time of recording, Matt, on what transfer they used or what print's being used or anything like that, so we don't know any of that detail. All right. And then Vestron is giving us Maximum Overdrive which includes a whole bunch of new featurettes and making of. That's the one with Emilio Estevez when the, was it like a comet or something? Lightning storm and the machines yeah, come to life? Yeah, the, the machines come to life. And I believe uh, Stephen King, it's based on a Stephen King story, and I believe this is the one film he directed while he was, quote, coked out of his mind. So, <laughs> so it's fun all the time. Includes an audio commentary by Jonah Ray, which might be interesting. If you're not familiar, Jonah Ray is uh, the star of the new Mystery Science Theater as well. And then your straight-to-DVD pick of the week. And by the way, season two starts shortly. I don't know if you know that. I did not know that. They're in Orlando this weekend. I'm thinking about going. Him and Joel doing a 30th anniversary. Oh, really? Yeah, you should do it, man. Do it. Your straight-to-DVD pick of the week. I bought a vampire motorcycle. When a Satanist biker is killed by a gang of Hell's Angels, an evil spirit he was summoning possesses his old Norton Commando bike. So an unsuspecting local courier, Nick Naughty Adi, Played by Neil Morrissey, TV's Men Behaving Badly. It becomes the bike's new owner. Little does he know that it runs on blood and has a habit for killing Hell's Angels and anyone else who gets in its way. Also features Anthony Daniels of C-3PO fame. Oh! And then Burt Kowick, who played Kato in the Pink Panther movies. So what should we be streaming this week? All right, so... um... So it came out last month, but I'm going to go ahead and mention it. Um, one of the biggest Marvel movies of the year, and there were several of the three, is Black Panther's available for streaming on Netflix. But I wanted to mention that, but I think the thing I'm going to suggest, since it is the season, the best time of the year, as far as me and Chris are concerned, um, it is Halloween time. So The Shining is available as of October 1st on Netflix, um, an all-time horror classic, Stanley Kubrick's kind of master class and kind of detached, chilly horror um is is a fantastic film and if you are listening to this you should have seen it um so if you have just watch it again um and if you haven't what is wrong with you stop listening right now and go watch it like totes totes the goats i heard that haunting on hill house series is supposed to be really good too and that's directed by our guy who did uh, annabelle creation and ouija yep. 2 and yep. some other stuff so we may yeah i do want to check that out 
And of course, just your weekly reminder that Black Dynamite is available on Netflix right now. <laughs> it is. I think we've mentioned that uh, a few dozen times. So, all right. Let's go ahead then and move on, Matt. Let's talk about Jeremy Solnier. Man, I love me some Solnier. But are we going to love Hold the Dark? Well, let's take a listen and find out. Dear Mr. Core, three days ago, my son Bailey was taken by wolves. No one in the village will hunt them. My husband will come home from the war soon. I must have something to show him. So you come to kill him? To kill the one that took him? I came to help if I can. To explain this if I can. Always good to hear people's. So that's Jeffrey Wright, of course, and Jeremy Solnier with Riley Keough. And Jeremy Solner, written by Macon Blair's Hold the Dark. As you heard in that little snippet, uh, Riley Keough plays Medora Sloan, and her child was taken by a pack of wolves. She requests to have Jeffrey Wright's Russell Core come hunt down the dog so they can bring back his body. But that's just the beginning. <laughs> So I don't want to spoil too much with this thing. So we're both big Solnir fans here. Is that a yeah. safe? Can I say that? Can I say yeah. That? No, I can't. I can't say. No, I really, really enjoyed Green Room, but I've never seen Blue Ruin, so okay. I can't speak to it. Um, but I was looking forward to seeing this because as much as I enjoyed Green Room, I remember I watched Blue Ruin first because I had heard it's really good, and I think it was on Netflix for a while. I'm not sure if it still is. And uh, that's where Macon Blair who also wrote this film, he stars in that, and which is basically, it's just a hardcore revenge movie. Mm. But really, what the true cost of revenge can be. And it is equally, just just like uh, Green Room, just unrelenting, right? And so that's kind of what Solnir is known for at this point. Just this just intense story arcs and these themes and narratives that just are... Just they don't let go of you. They grab you by that neck and don't let go. They're also typically shockingly violent at times. Right. Hold the dark for me, Matt. I didn't find it as relentless. I didn't. It didn't have the suffocating narrative that blue Nar- that blue ruin and green room have. I think it's a larger film. I think it encompasses more themes. We're talking like family, death, survival, mythology. There's another word I want to mention, but it's going to be a spoiler, so I guess I won't. But I'll tell you, it is never dull, all right? It's maybe more of a psychological horror film about just family and what be you human or animal, right? And the deaths you're willing to go uh, and how screwed up your moral compass, can, I guess, could possibly be. So... I just feel that Solnir does a fantastic job, I think, capturing this world, this interweaving Alaskan folklore with you know, this human-animal characteristics as well. I like David Fear of Rolling Stone wrote it as, it's an Arctic noir, which I thought was a, a really good turn of a phrase. Yeah. I, f- I found this thing riveting, and I never yeah. knew really where Solnir was going to go with that, next with this thing. And I really enjoyed this. What did you think? Yeah, I have to agree with you. I, I really, really enjoyed it. Um it doesn't have, like you said, it doesn't have kind of that relentless pace where it's kind of like you're just on your edge and everything just feels so claustrophobic. This is actually quite the opposite in, insofar as it, it has a lot of room to breathe. And it's almost like it's you're instead of being, you know, 
how do I want to describe it? Instead of being trapped in a space with the monsters that like you can't get out and they're in there with you, mm-hmm. it's like they're off in the shadows and you can't see them and you're standing in the middle of a field somewhere or something like that, you know? And they're just out of sight. It's got a very ethereal kind of dreamlike quality to it. And I think he really leans heavy into kind of some of the more... I don't want to say supernatural, but like spiritual kind of stuff in it. And it's, it's a different take for him, but it still has some of his hallmarks. It has, you know, the way it's shot, it seemed very similar to what I've seen of his in the past. And Mm -hmm. the, the, uh, the sudden and shocking violence, uh, survives whole, you know, intact. So, um, you know, that is still there. Um, yeah, definitely a very different film than, green room but um i really enjoyed it i thought it was great and it has some really disturbing subject matter that i think solnir does a good job of laying out the seeds i don't know if you connected one of those dots matt Mm -hmm. between um our married couple uh i don't know did i i don't know do we want to spoiler it here uh no we can talk about it off air but it's So, yeah, no. Uh, so I'm coming down with a B plus on Hold the Dark. I don't think it's as good as Green Room. I don't. No. I think it's a larger film. And yeah. I think maybe maybe similar to El Royale, maybe it's a bit too unwieldy. Maybe he doesn't quite get his hands around the whole thing. Sure. Or I think, you know, that's not fair. I think maybe it just it's it dives into larger, grander themes. Mm-hmm. So it's a different type of film, but it's still a Saulnier film. You can tell that from the get-go. And he has a very particular style. And if you're into his work, I think you're really going to enjoy this. If you're not, this may be a bit too far afield for you. I'm not sure. Yeah. But I'm still, I enjoyed it and I gave it a B plus. Where'd you come down? Yeah, I think, no, I think you put it very well. Um, I think if you're a fan of Saulnier, you're going to like it. If you're, um, of that kind of bent, you're going to like this film, but I don't think it's going to win any new converts for sure. Like if you didn't like green room or what you've said about blue Ruin, I, I can't imagine you're going to like this film better, but maybe I'm wrong. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just a completely different approach. And I, I thought it was really, really interesting. I, I enjoyed it. I gave it a blue B plus as well. Okay. Finally, some conflict. <laughs> I know. Right. God, we need to like, I mean, people are writing in saying that you guys need to get along. I don't understand why you, you know, are doing this show together because you never can agree on anything. I was talking, I was at a wedding this past weekend and it was brought up. Um, oh, really? That, yeah. So we may have to try and interject somehow some conflict. So we have some ideas for that. We'll have to see if we can figure that out. Oh, okay. Now, we're going to be authentic people. We're not going to just make stuff up just to have right. fake conflict. We would never do that to you. Yeah. But when uh, we have conflicts, it's real. Usually Chris is. That's true. He makes some like grand statement how I'm wrong in every single opinion, man. It just um, it goes from there. <laughs> That's right. So, all right. If you had a chance to see Blue, Blue Ruin, that too. Uh, but yeah. if you've seen Hold the Dark, which is available on Netflix right now, shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. I'd love to hear from you. I'm always open to making new friends. Mm-hmm. All right, Matt. Let's move on then, and let's wrap this sucker up with a rousing rendition of What Are the Odds? I'll tell you right now, <laughs> I'm not wearing pants. I thought you always understood it's business. That, that's all it is. You still don't get it, do you, boys? There ain't no countries anymore. No more good guys. They're running the whole show. They own everything, the whole goddamn planet. They can do whatever they want. What's wrong with having it good for a change? Now, they're going to let us have it good if we just help them. 
They're going to leave us alone. Let us make some money. You can have a little taste of that good life, too. Now, I know you want it. Hell, everybody does. You do it to your own kind. What's the threat? We all sell out every day. Might as well be on the winning team. So, of course, that is... Uh, a f- Chef's kiss. John Carpenter warned us. Yeah. Decades ago, what was going to happen. And that, of course, is They Live. Mm-hmm. So my that is wor- hilarious that we potentially both have a very similar question. But go ahead. Potentially, yeah. So Potentially. Carpenter was interviewed recently. And they asked him about make, remaking his films or making sequels to them. And he was all in. He basically right. saying, hey, it sounds like a money-making opportunity for me. I'm all for it. Right. Which maybe not the artistic answer you're looking for, but sure. still. And I've actually really been getting into uh, Carpenter again. By the way, as an aside, when I was in Connecticut for that wedding, did you know video production company uh, Vinegar Syndrome is in Bridgeport, Connecticut? I did not know that, but it fits. I went into their store called The Archive because they have a record store and they show, show videos. And I'm talking to the cat who's working the, the register, and he's got a Vinegar Syndrome uh, a sweater, sweater zip-up thingy, whatever you kids call them nowadays. And it's, he said, oh, yeah, that's us. We're Vinegar Syndrome. The two t- floors above me are all them. Oh, okay. So we're going to set him up. We're going to give him a call, Matt. We're going to start. I want to start maybe doing some interviews. So we'll see if we can get Vinegar Syndrome to be our first one. Okay. So uh, hopefully I'll set that up when you get back so you can participate with that. Uh, but still, I got a free t-shirt out of it, which I'm excited about, which I'll be modeling next week. I would wear it tonight, but I just got back from softball, so I'm a little gross. Yeah, but they also have this great John Carpenter t-shirt, Matt, where it's it's just stacked VHSs of all of Carpenter's films. Oh, that's pretty sweet. Spines. Yeah. That's really cool. I'll wear that one too. That one's pretty cool. So that's my, what are the odds, Matt, that we actually start getting John Carpenter remakes or sequels? Um, yeah, as much as I would like it to happen, I'm going to say 25%. I, I just don't, as much as I like a lot of the man's work, I just don't know. I don't know. I just don't know if he has the power to pull it. I mean, they live is the, is a quintessential cult classic. I mean, that thing is cult and it's awesome, but it's, it's got a very, it's, it's a devoted audience, but it's a small audience. So you know, you don't want to get another Blade Runner 2049 thing going on as much as we love that film. So I don't know. But we don't have Roddy, you know, Roddy Piper anymore, but we do still have Keith David. So that's true. Here we go. Would you want a sequel or a remake? I think a remake may be the better way to go. Yeah, I know. I, re- I think I read the same article that you did, um, or at least one of the articles. And Harpenter's leaning more towards a sequel, which I guess could be interesting in our in our times now. Um that's exactly yeah, why I, I think I'd want to remake, though, because yeah. of that. But I, I see his point. Yeah. All right. Um, are we going to see rem- – listen, he's got such a wide over that I think we will. Will it be Starman? I don't know. They are, I think, in talks to make a Prince of Darkness TV show. Okay. On, I think, one of the pay networks, like an HBO or something. That I right. would be into. Well, Prince of Darkness 2 is a pretty good kind of B-horror film. It. Let me put it this way. It has its moments. It has its moments. We'll put it that way. <laughs> Obviously, it, has, still, it has some nuggets of goodness in there. Yes. The thing yeah. still is his masterwork. It is. Man, I get sad when I think about that, that the thing just didn't work out financially. Because his whole career would have been entirely different. Yeah. And it's a tragedy because that is a fantastic film. That's one of the best films I've ever seen. It's it's that good. So, um, and but But the thing has been 
low-key remade already so as a kind of soft reboot sequel or prequel I'll, thing. Yeah, I'll never understand why they the studio came in and just made them do cgi even though they originally had practical effects one of the key things about carpenter's film was the practical effect, whatever yeah all right so the odds are i'm actually gonna go a little higher matt i'm going 45 percent just because now it's not going to be ghost from mars all right we know that <laughs> and we, of course we have but we already have the halloween sequel so that counts right, right? But okay. of his other films, uh, well, we've got a Escape from L.A. There's a sequel to that, right? You know, yeah, Escape, Escape from, from New York. York. So yeah. that would be it. I would go, and I wonder if I would probably go. They live Escape from New York in this order, mm-hmm. and then Prince of Darkness. If I had to choose three films of his, I'd like to see remade. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I want a sequel to Escape from L.A. I would redo it. I just don't know with who. Yeah, um, that's a good question. I don't know who. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's that's big shoes to fill right there. Yeah, I don't but, know who today's Kurt Russell is. We should do that sometime too. I know we've done the other stuff. We've done like yeah. you know Tom Hanks, Jimmy Stewart, and yeah. Cary Grant, George Clooney. But who's the Kurt Russell today? Besides exactly. Kurt Russell. <laughs> Besides Kurt Russell. Well, and maybe yeah. I don't know if I want to see Escape from Miami. I don't know if I want to see that. Hmm. All right, what do you got? Um, okay, so um, speaking of Halloween, um, this weekend. Um, coming up is the big Danny McBride reboot uh, Halloween. It's got some really good early buzz, which does not bode well for my chances. I might go two in the hole on this Price is Right game here. Well, well actually, no. We both went over for Venom, right? Right. Yeah. So, okay. So, You'll be we're starting one. with a clean slate right now. Um, 82% but, right now. Friday at noon know. was when we decide, when we counted. Yeah, so I'm not. I'm obviously not confident that I'm going to win on this one. But the early buzz is that they're saying that this thing is going to have, it's going to at least tie Venom's um, October record of getting maybe sixty five million dollars um, over the weekend, which would be insane for a horror movie, right? right? So my question is this: If Halloween is a huge success, what are the odds we're going to get? They're, they're going to fast track some reboots and remakes of the other big 80s franchises. And I'm going to lay them out and you, you tell me what the odds for each one, okay? okay? Now, granted, these were rebooted earlier, but Nightmare on Elm Street. I mean, here's the thing, Matt. They're all like, going to be in the 90s because they're proven cash cows. You just sit on them long enough and then you, mm-hmm. and then you reboot them. So Nightmare on Elm Street is going to be... But have be- they sat on Nightmare on Elm Street long enough? I mean, because that's still within recent memory. That bad taste. Yeah. And I liked uh, Jackie Earl Haley as Freddy. I thought he did a fine job. The problem was yeah. just the movie was horrible. Yeah, the movie it's was terrible. Platinum Dunes, everything they touch just dies. Yeah. Uh, hey, I like the... I actually have some affection for their, their Friday the 13th remake. I don't know why I like it, but I do like it. What, that Jason like runs a pot farm and he's protecting it? Uh, I think that's 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 coincidental but yes okay. yes that's the one i like yes <laughs> out of the out of the remakes they've done i agree with you that friday the 13th is the better one but yeah. it's fun uh yeah so but yeah no it's 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 like i don't know it's gonna be 100 percent across so uh, yeah they'll make another nightmare on elm street movie maybe it'll be five more years but they will 100 i mean no doubt 100 you know you don't even that's that's it so i gotta go friday the 13th <laughs> hellraiser <laughs> They just made another Hellraiser sequel like a year ago. Those are atrocious. I really like the first film. The first film was fun. I like it. It's good. The second film is one of the few movies I had to stop while I was watching. Oh, really? 
I was a, I was a young kid. I was home alone, and I had the lights out, and I was watching Hellraiser 2. And there's a scene where the guy's on the mattress, and he thinks there's bugs all over him, and the guy hands him a straight razor, and he starts cutting uh, himself. Yeah. And that freaked me out. I was probably 13. I don't know. But it freaked me out so much. I had to stop the movie and turn on all the lights and take a take a you know a heart take a Mississippi there or two. Yeah. And then look at the lasting damage it's done to you. Yeah. This is what we have today, folks. (laughs) Hellraiser, I don't know. Well, they're gonna do a reboot. They may do a reboot in ten years, so I'll say eighty percent. Eighty percent? All right. Yeah, I guess I guess if you have a long enough timeline, you can almost guarantee that all these things are gonna get remade again, you know. So um but I don't know. They've just it's just it just gives me pause because so you have one hit, but they've tried to remake Halloween multiple times. They've tried to remake Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the 13th. And they're just all with the exception of my unearned affection of for the Friday the 13th remake. I mean, yeah. they've all been pretty bad. I mean, yeah. so, you know, I don't know. I would think that maybe they would not do it. But if, you know, like I said, if the money comes in, they're going to do it. It's almost 100 percent guarantee. Yeah, and they'll just reboot it. I think I'm sure there'll be a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie in another five years or so. Yeah, and that's just wrong because you the whole charm of Texas Chainsaw Massacre and why that film works is because it's so low rent and just ugly. Like you can't make a slick modern version of that. It's just no. not going to look right. The second one is a fun film, but it's a very very different movie. It's a fun movie. Yeah, the first one, and that, outside of that, I think everything else has just been totally forgettable. But yeah. that first one is terrifying. Yeah, it's scary, man. That thing holds up. And it's not even that gory at all. This all happens in your head. All right. Matt, what are the odds The Rock gets an Oscar nomination? Oh, for what? Just in general? And in his lifetime? Someday. Do you think he'll do it at some point where he'll turn serious and uh, go for the nom? Look, so here's the thing. So we've had this discussion. Um I think you have a bigger affection for the rock than I do. Um, I'm starting to slip I, to be honest. Yeah. I'm not, I have not been impressed with his role choice. And if he keeps going like this, it's got, he's got to burn out at some point. I mean, they, you can only make gate, make so many disappointing, you know, middling action films that are just ridiculous. I mean, it's got to burn out sometime. I mean, look at Vin Diesel. I mean, rock's been able to keep it going for longer than anybody else has, but I don't know. I, 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 five percent chance i i would be very very surprised i would be wow. i would see him as like a governor or something or some politician before we would see him win an oscar he's a republican by the way folks don't yeah he, know that. he is uh odds are the right gets an oscar nomination i am gonna go 28 <laughs> percent. that's a very specific number <laughs> yeah i don't know you could you know when he's 50 he does like an aging bodyguard type movie or something. He does like a, his version of the wrestler. Exactly. So you, you never know. So yeah. All right. Maybe you you're go. right. Never say never. Um, all right. Never so this is a bit of a stretch, but I think it counts because we did a we did a series on these film, or at least one of these shows. So um, they've canceled the Iron Fist series. Um, mm. Shocker ball, shocker. Mm-hmm. So, um, but they they you know but there is you know Daredevil three is coming out and I think they're going to. Um, you know, Netflix series. So I guess this is my question: with Daredevil being canceled and Luke Cage kind of being what it, what it is, um, yes. What do you think they just they just kind of combine the two of them and just make give us the heroes for hire that we want? I thought that's what was going to happen already. I really yeah. thought after the poor showing of Iron Fist that that's what they were going to do. But yeah. maybe Michael Coulter's like, oh hell no, you're not saddling me with that. 
So, uh, but I hope so. I hope they for maybe maybe for uh, um, it's not a short Power series Man. like Luke six. Cage season three. Yeah, we get uh, him with Iron. From what I, I haven't watched it yet because I'm only three episodes deep on Jessica Jones season two or three or whatever it is. Yeah. So I haven't started watching Iron Fist yet, and I haven't seen the most recent Luke Cage series yet either. Yeah. I am. I actually. So or the odds we get that, I'll say sixty three percent. I say they'll 63%. go for it. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I'm gonna stay. I'm a little less confident. But I'm gonna say sixty percent because I, I guess Finn Jones. Well, I guess this is what I'm saying. I was gonna go lower than that, but I, I don't know what Finn Jones's contract is because, like, I don't know if he's still contracted to do more defenders. Like, I don't know. Oh, I thought they weren't gonna do defenders anymore. I thought they'd so they they were. That oh, may, I didn't, that I didn't may end that up being just a one off. Oh, okay, so. There you go. I but I mean, you know, fit, I mean, you know, Iron Fist and and uh, and uh, Luke Cage. Those are those are two t- great tastes that go great together. They are just they are you know the Reese's peanut butter cup of this group, and they they have to be together. That's true. No, they yeah. certainly are. <sighs> what the? <laughs> oh, you're so lucky. I had a little clip to play here, and it didn't play. Something's corrupted. I'm very depressed by that. Have to fix that. I got a new drop, which is so good. <laughs> it did not work. Is it, is it about pie? <laughs> it may be. I've talked to the interns. I got to tell you, you son of a bitch. Oh well. Uh, yeah, I just actually started watching Star Trek Discovery, which is not bad. Oh. I'm about three. How episodes, did you get three, four that? episodes deep? No, you weren't getting on the uh, the streaming service. No, 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 no. You can get it. You can buy it now. Oh, you can buy it now. Yeah. Okay. So, so yeah, no. Okay, what's my last one? Here we go, Matt. What are the odds when Abrams comes back for the next Star Trek, Star Trek, the next Star Wars movie? Yeah, that Ray actually has air quotes important parents. Do you think he's going to rewrite that stuff? He's not um, bound by what Johnson did. He's not. See, this thing is just such a cluster. It's such mm-hmm. a cluster. Um, because you know, obviously, Abram set it up as like a, to be a specific way, have a certain structure. Johnson comes in, and just basically lights it all on fire. Then they give it back to Abrams, and it's like, here you go. Here's the skeleton remains of your story. What are you gonna do with it? Kind of thing. Um, I'm gonna say eighty percent. Like, I think he's gonna. Really? I don't think he can resist. I don't think he can resist. There's gotta be just because it's Star Wars and just because it's Abrams, and I don't think he's. <clears throat> He's of the fandom that I think is the reverent um, fundamentalist Star Wars fan where he wants it to be kind of mm-hmm. what we've seen in the past. So it's just not a Star Wars film if there's not some kind of significant familial connection, right? Where some destiny thing is going on. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be able to resist. I mean, they already got rid of Snoke, who was supposed to be important in some way i'm almost just waiting for him to like resurrect snoke like he's gonna come out and be like just kidding guys you know just right. like darth maul survived being cut in half here i am so you know i don't know i i don't i think it's a pretty good shot 80 percent. i'm concerned that ray not ray that kylo ren's gonna have a vader redemption arc which i kind of don't want yeah i want him to go all in i mean i still sometimes wonder about that whole thing with vader too you know, you see, well, I read, what did I read this online? So you throw an old man, old man down an elevator shaft, which makes up for the, what, hundreds of thousands of people, including children Don't forget, that like, you've massacred. 
dozens of, of five-year-olds that he personally yeah, killed. Exactly. <laughs> I, yeah, I just don't think that's a one-to-one trade-off. I really yeah, I don't. don't. Think so. I mean, he freed, he did free trillions and trillions of people from the yoke of oppression. So there is that, I guess. But he put that yoke on them in the first place. So yeah, he didn't know. do a great job either, considering there's still the... Uh, We're still fighting about it. Yeah, the first that's order. That's very true. Yeah, um, I'm actually, so to be Star Wars nerdy about it, I'm actually hoping, you're right, I'm hoping that Kylo Ren goes full full bore, but I kind of like that whole balance thing they got going on. Like, I hope they don't kill him. I hope they stay, like, the two of them stay as kind of, like, opposing forces of each other. I think that'd be a cool way to go. Interesting. I don't have give Abrams enough credit to do that, though. Yeah. So does Ray have important parents for me? I think he sticks with it, Matt. I'm going to go 32%. Oh really? You think it. he's gonna he's gonna be like fine Johnson? Fine. I think I think as a story, it's a much more interesting story. Mm. I think the twist turn would be a little cheap, and it, though it would fit right in with the mythos, I yeah. just I don't know. I would like it to be left alone, and I think yeah. maybe he'll respect that. And I just don't know what else we'll do. We'll see. You know what, man? Star Wars is there's trilogies, man. There's they're repeating lyrical poems. The 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 you know the the themes are the same over and over and over again. Yep. Yes. Yes. All right. Anything else? No, because you took my John Carpenter one earlier, so there we go. I only have two now. All right. I got one more for you then. Okay. This They keep announcing different, more people added to this cast. Now, first Idris Elba, Ian McKellen, Jennifer Hudson, James Corden, Taylor Swift, and today Judy Dench have all signed up for the big screen adaptation of Cats. Of one of the worst musicals, and I really hate musicals. And this is—it's just a bad one. Cats. Why? So, what are the odds that Cats is good? Or should I say that? Should we keep it? Is Cats is good, or Cats has a Rotten Tomato score of seventy percent or above? Um. Ugh. God, that's tough. I'm gonna say twenty percent chance. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I. No, there's no way. I mean, the source material is just is just schmaltzy garbage. So, like, I don't know. I don't even see how you can elevate the material. So, above seventy percent, seventy seven percent or above? No, twenty percent, twenty percent chance. That works for me. Yeah. No, I don't. I'll go. I like doing weird numbers tonight. So, yeah, I'm gonna go uh, forty seven <laughs> percent chance. Because you never know. Maybe they'll work never. it out. But I doubt I, it. I am not looking forward to that at all. I'm not going to watch it. And if you make me go see it, I'm going to be very upset. <laughs> uh, that is horrible stuff. All right. That's going to be the big show for this week. Next week, here's the fun thing. Yeah, so as I said, Matt has deserted me, which I'm Again. very, very upset about. But I'm kind of used to it. And yeah. guest host Chris Esposito will be joining us to discuss <gasps> Halloween. Wow. So see, there we can get some conflict. There could there be some conflict there. I'll, uh, I also there's a lot of stuff coming out actually. Here's what's going to be hitting my local theater next week, Matt, or this Friday. Halloween, right? Uh, the Hate You Give, Old Man and the Gun, The Sisters Brothers, The Oath, all films that I want to see. So I gotta. I'm gonna be working my AMC A list overtime mm-hmm. very soon. Yeah. So we're going to at least be discussing Halloween. I don't know what else we'll be discussing. Espo may probably only be able to do the one. So we'll see. Hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. We are everywhere. 
Just look for the first run. Type it in the search. Scroll, 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 scroll. Eventually you will find us. Go over to Apple Podcasts and give us a review. I will read it on the air and it'll also help other people find the show. And that's going to be the big show for this week, Matt. We'll take an extended break. We'll see you in a couple weeks, right, Matt? Yeah, I'll be back. There you go. And then uh, we'll reconvene and go from there. See you all soon. I've got one that can see.